Welcome to Business Lens, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, joined as always by Chris Hill, the host of Botley Full Money. I know people get tired of me saying this, but repetition is the key to branding. And you've got a great brand because, Chris, you host the number one stock investing radio show in America. And yet you you bum around with me. I, what's up with that? I'm very fortunate. <laughs> I love being on your show. That's why I don't think of it as bumming around with you. I think of it. I get the opportunity to hang out with Matt Robeson. Yeah, I got to take the Donald Trump approach to this, which is this is great. This is the greatest show. This show is better than your <laughs> show. In fact, um, you know, I, I could see why you'd enjoy spending time with me rather than, you know, your your job is to watch what's happening in the stock market. That that can't be too pleasant right now. I mean, not to be too topical, but um, it, it's it's not great. What's going on? It's not great. It's really not great. And for anyone who um, occasionally looks at the market or is maybe looking at their 401k statement or a monthly statement from their financial advisor or something like that, uh, it's not just you. It really is pretty bad out there. Um, April was one of the worst months for the market and the NASDAQ in particular uh, that we've had in years. Um, if you look at the NASDAQ, which is um, mainly comprised of uh, technology-oriented companies. The first four months of 2022 was the worst start for the NASDAQ this century. Oof. You got to go back to the 1970s. Um, I mean, it's, it's really been a bad start. And so it's something we've been talking about on Motley Fool Money uh, for a while now is uh, this is a gut check time for investors. Um, we've largely had a, a great bull run for most of the past, let's call it 12 years or so. But these are the times that, um, you know, the, the great philosopher Mike Tyson uh, was once asked in a press conference, um, your opponent for this upcoming fight says he has a plan to beat you. How do you feel about that? And Mike Tyson replied, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And this has been uh, a few months now of investors getting punched in the mouth. And, and it's, uh, you know, all kidding aside, Matt, it, um, we all like to think of ourselves in the investing world as having a risk tolerance that is greater than we actually do. And it's only when you go through months of looking at your portfolio going down, you, you feel that pain. And in some cases, uh, you know, in, in my own case, I've got stocks that I bought a year ago that are down 70% from where I bought them. It doesn't feel good. It never feels good. But the longer you can hang in there, the better off you're going to be. It's not to say that all of uh, the stocks that are down are going to bounce back up uh, because some of them will stay down. Um, but the longer you stay in the game, the much greater your chances are of succeeding. Look, I'm not the professional who gives advice and guidance on this for a living like you are, but I actually have a hack, what the internet would call one weird trick for dealing with this kind of bear market-like turbulence. Just don't look. <laughs> my, my trick is I don't look, I, I persist in not looking, and then I don't look some more. I, I, I don't log into Vanguard. I don't log into Fidelity. I'm not going to give away all the financial institutions, but you know what I mean? I, I just, I don't look. And then I get on the radio with the host of the number one stock investing radio show in America. And I find out from you what's going on. And it's like, hey, you know what? 
I didn't know about that. <laughs> and I don't want to know. And what, what I'm keeping faith in is what you were saying a moment ago, which is I'm going to hang in there because even, even the investments that have a relatively shorter time horizon for me, like, you know, the upcoming college expenditures, which are going to whack me upside the, the head, like Mike Tyson punching me in the jaw, you know, there, there's still a few years off and I am, I'm going to take the long-term view and I'm going to assume that my allocation of my portfolio is it's diversified, it's balanced, it's got a mix. And, you know, I, I, ignorance is bliss, but look, I, sometimes it's good. It's good to know. And sometimes it's, it's good to own up when you think maybe you've gotten a read wrong. So I, I'm never wrong about anything, but you, a top expert only add to your own credibility. When you point out the rare occasions where you got something, maybe just a little off, not wrong, but a little off. So a few weeks ago on this show, you said Netflix isn't going to run ads. And then something happened. What, what happened next? And do, do you want to amend your earlier statement? So every year on Motley Fool Money, we do a Thanksgiving special. Um, and it's the weekend after Thanksgiving. We record the show um, before Thanksgiving. And we uh, start that episode every year with what we call a slice of humble pie. We go around the table. Oh, that's brilliant. Every one of us. And we say, here's something I said earlier this year, and I was wrong about this. So, so I'm good. having my humble pie earlier. I said, Netflix is never going to have ads on the platform. And sure enough, they came out with an historically bad um, earnings reaction. They came out with their earnings report and the stock fell 35% the following day. Um, and one of the things they said was, yeah, we're actually considering ads on the platform. And I, I think that makes sense for them. Um, but I, I think it also points to the, sort of the um, amazing journey Netflix has gone on uh, as a business. It has gone from being this upstart um, to a company that displaced blockbuster video, uh, revolutionized the way we all consume movies and television, really taking on legacy media companies. And now they are the entrenched leader in the group. And in some ways, the legacy companies are uh, having their moment in, in the sun. Um, so I, I think that, uh, you know, Netflix's balance sheet is in good shape. This is not a business that is that is in, you know, in horrible trouble. Um, you look at the stock that within the past year was at $700 a share and, and then fell below $200 a share. I mean, that's, um, that's a rough ride for people who haven't owned the stock very long. I think the challenge for Netflix is twofold. One, there's just more competition. And that's not a particularly uh, surprising statement. Anyone can just look around and, and realize that. But it's the fact that the competition uh, is is growing pretty steadily. I think they have, um, I think it's uh, some at least eight and maybe upwards of a dozen streaming services that have at least 10 million subscribers. Um, the other challenge for Netflix is their pricing. And this is where I think the ad network can make sense for them because it would enable them to offer their service at a lower price point. Because right now they're bumping up against $20 a month. And that is not only the most expensive 
streaming service out there of, of the major players, it's also much higher than what companies like Apple and Disney uh, and Amazon are uh, offering per month on their streaming services. So it's um, it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. But yeah, I, um, I, I and the other people who said they're never going to offer ads, um, we're all hanging out on uh, at, at the Humble Pie Bar and Grill. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to perform a, a service of, look, I'm Jewish. I can't perform absolution in a Catholic sense, but <laughs> I'm going to try, I'm going to try and just do a little bit of injection of there's a lot more wisdom in kind of uh, Chris Hill Island than this, this small peccadillo would, would otherwise uh, imply to our new listeners. I mean, you've said on this show and on Motley Fool Money before that what you think about is a sector an industry or a slice of it that you think is promising. And a lot of what I'm hearing in what you just said here is this, I, the streaming services bundle, if you will, that's still a good buy. Look, Netflix could be a good buy right now. Now that the stock price has gone down, it might be under undervalued compared to where it was. So it's not like people should jump ship on all of the, the good thought that you've put into that. It's, this is still a robust, growing, burgeoning uh, investment sector and, you know, a place where there's a lot of ferment going along. There's a, there's a lot of change, there's a lot of experimentation. So look, in that kind of dynamic environment, I'm not surprised that things, you know, can change on a dime and you've got to make some calls on what you think is going to happen. But writ large, your overall guidance about this has been spot on. And I'm going to give you the credit for that. Um, you know, maybe you, you can have a small slice of that pie to go along <laughs> with it. Hey, look, I want to hit another story here. This story has been all over the news. We've done it on the politics shows that I do. We're going to keep doing it because I'm kind of interested in it. I was just on West Virginia radio talking about it. So look, it, it could kind of get done to death, but it's ultimately a business story. And I want to hear your perspective, you know, the, the, the business outlook on this. It's Elon Musk buying Twitter, or maybe he won't, maybe he'll bail out on it. I don't know who, who, who know who can look inside the mind of that man. I'm interested in your perspective on what should the market make of this? What should shareholders of Tesla make of this? What is the market thinking about this whole saga? I'll get to that in a second, but I want to touch on something that you, you mentioned briefly there that I think is really important for everyone to understand, which is that this deal is not done. This deal could still fall apart. Elon Musk could walk away. Uh, we are months away from this being a done deal. Um, as early as this morning, uh, there was a report that he was looking to change the way he wants to finance this deal. So, so until this deal is done, it's not done. Um, but for the purposes of your main question, what does the, the market think of this? The market thinks two things. In the case of Twitter and shares of Twitter, it's seen as a positive. Uh, from the time that uh, Musk uh, announced that he had taken a 9% stake in the company to where we are today, uh, the stock is up. I'm in a ballpark somewhere in the neighborhood of 25%, maybe 30%, something like that. In the case of Tesla, which is the company that uh, has really made Elon Musk's fortune, uh, the market is taking a negative view. And I, I, I am not a Tesla shareholder, but if I were, I would be a little bit worried about the attention that Twitter might take from Elon Musk. He, I've heard people say, people I work with, smart analysts have said, look, when he buys Twitter, he can get a, a 
a president, he can appoint a president, he can stay the CEO, but he can appoint a president to basically run the operations and he can and implement his vision. And I, that could be the case, but Elon Musk, uh, there's nothing really in his work history that suggests that he's a hands-off type of leader. So uh, again, we're, if this deal goes through, uh, I'm not saying it means automatically continued runs of success for Twitter and Twitter shareholders, and it means doom and gloom for Tesla, but he's absolutely going to spend time and energy and, uh, and resources on Twitter if he ends up buying this thing. Um, uh, it's also going to uh, put him in the crosshairs of the United States Congress. Um, again, that's time that he will not be spending on Tesla um, and SpaceX and other ventures that he's interested in. So um, I, I think if I were a Tesla shareholder, I would be a little bit nervous. Um, and if you're a Twitter shareholder, I think you're just crossing your fingers and hoping that the deal goes through. Because if he does walk away from this, those shares of Twitter will fall back down to earth. Mm. I that is really interesting, and it does go back to a theme that you've noted on this show repeatedly, which is leadership matters, personalities matter. You know, it's the sort of soft, touchy feely, hopey, changey stuff that hard-eyed analysts are not supposed to care about. You know, we're we're all into price earnings ratios. We we care about the quants. We care about the math. But ultimately, there are humans who have to run these companies, and it it's just the the, the thought exercise of well, how much brain space is left in this one person who's already got a pretty full-time vanity project going in SpaceX, which by the way, is, is a fascinating business. I did another show with a former NASA engineer who's like, do you, do you realize that Starlink is going to like change the world? Like literally th this is, this is a, a world changing uh, type of engineering capacity. So all that stuff is is super fascinating. And so I, I I see what you mean. Like, does the dude really need another vanity project so that he can, you know, have billionaire boys club, like you get this outlet, you know, Bezos, you've got the Washington Post, so I've got to have Twitter. Anyway, the whole thing, it makes me tired. I, I That's about as much brain space as I want to give to Twitter. I already, I already spend too much time on Twitter. Let's move on. Let's move on. So you have also, speaking of themes that you sound and, and people, you know, who are longtime listeners to the show should, should have picked up on before, you are an evangelist for dull. It's, it's great. I, there are very few people who are willing to speak up for dull, who are willing to go out there and say, let's be more boring. In our attention economy these days, no one wants to be on the side of dull. You, Chris Hill, are, and you've got a good reason for it. Why? Why are you so into boring stuff? Uh, boring companies are, are doing pretty well as a group right now at a time when the, the market is going down and the more exciting companies. Look, it's always great um, when you're a stock investor to buy shares of a young upstart company. Maybe they're doing something uh, interesting with technology. Maybe they're disrupting an industry in some way. Netflix was like that once upon a time. Uh, the young upstart disrupting uh, the cable television industry and, and blockbuster video and that sort of thing. Um, but the older I get, and maybe this is just a sign of my getting older, um, the more I've come to appreciate that, you know what, uh, if you're getting older, and we all are, you need to build out a place in your portfolio for sort of boring companies, particularly ones that pay a dividend. And we'll get to that in a second. Um, but these are 
uh, again, they're not sexy. They're not exciting to talk about at barbecues um, or a cocktail party or something like that. But companies like Sherwin-Williams that makes paint, uh, you know, companies like Coca-Cola, Pepsi, these are not exciting companies. Uh, Johnson & Johnson. Um, maybe you could argue Johnson & Johnson is a little more exciting because they have more divisions, but the they made a vaccine health, for goodness sakes. Right. Yeah, they, the consumer health division, you know, band-aids and, and that sort of thing. It's like, okay, you know, but these are businesses that can be very rewarding. Um, they can be sort of the steady um, ballast in your portfolio um, that, they're, you know, they're not going to be the high flyers like uh, some young growth companies, um, but they can sort of get you through times like this. Yeah. I mean, it's the old, uh, I'm not a golfer. There are people out there who are golfers and it's the old, you, you putt, you putt for cash. Like, you know, it's, it's the, it's the basics that, that get you there. It's so interesting how those fundamentals in, in sector after sector, sport after sport, whatever it is you're doing, no one likes to focus on that stuff. And that's, that's where you, you butter your bread. Speaking of which you, you mentioned just in passing there a second ago, you wanted to talk about dividends and I want to give you the opportunity to do that because you found a way probably suggested by the recent untimely passing of Gilbert Gottfried, but you found a way to bring in the, the classic joke, which we can't say on the radio, and the documentary about the classic joke, The Aristocrats. You're going to create a nexus here between that whole world and investing. I, I can't wait to hear what this is. What is it? So uh, highly recommend uh, the documentary uh, about the aristocrats, um, but it's uh, it's not for viewing uh, for children uh, because of the profanity involved. Oh, no, no, no. Um, but it's a, a, a brilliant uh, documentary um, that really leans on uh, the history of stand-up comedy. And, and it's where way. I learned that Bob Saget, also who recently passed away far too soon, has a very dirty mind. Who knew that? I'm not speaking ill of the dead. I'm actually giving him credit that he kind of like cloaked that underneath his full house persona for so long. That that guy had a filthy mind. But anyway, go on investing. So when it comes to investing, and this is this is actually a category of stock that I've I've started to look more closely at as I'm looking to add shares of companies. Um, there's a group of companies, and it's not a big list, called the dividend aristocrats. These are businesses that have increased their dividend every year for at least 25 consecutive years. You and I have talked before about capital allocation, how tough it is for businesses to get right. These are businesses that have done a great job, not just in one, two, three, four, five years, they've done it for at least 25 years. Um, I've already mentioned some of them, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, uh, Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, uh, Target, Lowe's, um, these are, uh, again, not the sexiest businesses in the world, but particularly for people like me who are in their 50s and starting to look ahead towards um, retirement years, having stocks that are paying a dividend on a quarterly or annual basis, and they've proven they can do it, they've proven the dividend is important to them. So they, they prize that status as a dividend aristocrat. They don't want to lose it. Uh, so I'm looking more and more at that group of stocks. You did it. You you tied it all together. I'm I'm sort of amazed, but I'm not surprised because you are Chris Hill, the host of Motley Fool Money, which for good reason is the number one stock investing radio show in America. By the way, just as an aside, I love your earlier idea. If you're getting older, it sounds like the beginning of a commercial, right? Are you getting <laughs> older? It's like, wait, 
I'm getting older. Yes, mathematically, that's just the way the universe works. We're all getting older, but there's no better way to spend your time as you age than listening to Chris Hill and, of course, uh, me on this show. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you.